Well, we have, uh, over the last several years, been uh, very involved with an organization called Volunteers of America, and we've been specifically involved with what they do through a, a facility called Lavender House. And Lavender House really uh, is helping restore women uh, to life. It, most of the women there have uh, faced incarceration. They have, because of decisions they've made, and this organization in Lavender House is helping restore them uh, to their families, to the life that they were created to have and live. And uh, a few years ago, Kathy Conrad, and Kathy can come on up, Kathy Conrad um, really latched on to uh, what is happening at Lavender House. And I've asked her if she would come and share it. And behind us, you'll see some pictures and uh, short descriptions of, of some of the realities of what Lavender House is. Uh, Kathy, what is it for you that just really uh, connected with you that has caused you to continue to lead us back there? Well, I've thought about this a lot this week and, um, well, really since I started serving at the Lavender House. And I really felt the call from God to, to do this. But um, a lot of you know me, but you don't really know me. And basically, um, without going into too much detail, um, I grew up in a household where my mother was verbally abusive and my father was an alcoholic. And um, it left me feeling very lonely and unloved. And um, God just um, came around me. At, uh, I went off into a dark time in my life and looked for things that um, were not good. And then um, through the grace of God, I came back to him and he changed me through this church and the teachings of this church and I learned how to forgive and I learned um, what unconditional love was, the love that God can give and the love of my family and friends here at church. So, but um, that verse that says, um, words can be like a double-edged sword that pierces your soul. I knew those words very well, I knew that verse. So um, in saying that, um, I uh, took up this ministry to love on these women who I feel have gone through a lot of those same things. And um, all for you guys to help or all of you to help, um, really it just takes a smile or a hug or a listening ear, a concern uh, for and a compassion for someone else. And um, I found that through that and through honesty with these women that um, we're really breaking down walls and, and things are happening at Lavender House because of the love that's shared there from us to them. Yeah, it's so. a great, great, uh, great opportunity. One of the things that's really uh, nice about our involvement with Lavender House is uh, a lot of places you might go and try to serve, they have age limits on who can serve. And uh, we take all three of our boys when we go and uh, because Saturdays are family day at Lavender House. It's the only day of the week that uh, many of these there are moms. Uh, it's the only day they have a chance to see their child. And they may be in for three, six months. Uh, so one, one shot a week to see your kid and interact with them. And, and we go and get to go and help, uh, help the families interact and, and be with each other. Tell us, uh, we're going again yes. real soon. So tell yes. how people can get involved with that. We're going on October 27th, Saturday, October 27th, um, from 8 to 1. We'll meet here at the church at 8. We're doing a pumpkin patch for them, which is 
a lot like our trunk or treat. We're loading up our booths and everything and just taking it to them in a big way. And so we're excited about that. We still have a few more slots for booths um, open. So if you would like to come along on Saturday the 27th and help us, and as Chad said, it is a great family ministry. So come and bring your kids. It's wonderful for them to start serving the Lord at an early age, and this is one way that they can do that. Um, all that I ask is when the kids are there that they work the booth for a little bit, and then we let them go have all the fun they want to have beyond that. But we do ask that they serve and that they help in, um, in uh, running the booth for a little while so that they understand that the kids there are not as privileged as they are that they understand that the kids there don't get the things that they do and that, you know, we can pray for them and that, you know, they can, they can be, um, what's neat about our kids when they go there is they're so accepting of these children and these women. They don't have preconceived judgments of them. They just accept them for who they are, which is what I do when I go there too, is just let all the walls down and just accept and love on them. And I've kind of um, thought about this this week, and I think I've encapsulated um, the Lavender House's loving the unloved, and I know how that feels. Right. Well, great, Kathy. Thank, Thank you very much. You. Uh, one other thing that we are doing, uh, Kathy is often asked when she's there if, if she has Bibles, because the ladies want to be able to read God's Word. And so what you saw this week maybe... Uh, and at the serve table, and by the way, Kathy will be at the serve table in the lobby after the service is over. You can chat with her about how you might go and be involved. Uh, but one of the things, if you have sitting around your house extra Bibles, maybe you've bought new ones and you've got Bibles that are collecting dust because you've moved on to a different one, uh, bring those to church with you and leave them at the serve table. Let's let someone use it and grow and know God better. Uh, through the Bibles that maybe you're just collecting dust in your house. I, I took a few and put I out there that. this week from my office because I have a lot. Yeah. So. And I thank you for that. Yeah. And also just um, pray for us. If you can't go, it's, I understand. But please just pray for us on that day that, that we'll reach these women in ways. And it'll be a day for them to finally just kind of relax, have fun. They have a lot of things going on in their lives, and they need something like that in their life. So I will be at the serve table. The sign-up sheets for Pumpkin Patch will be at the sign-up table, at the serve table. So you can just come there after the service, and, and we'll have a great day in the Lord. And we always, I always leave more blessed than what I give the women. They always give so much more back to me. So thank you. Thanks. Thank you, Chad. Thank you so much, Kathy, for your heart and uh, willingness to serve there. And I'd ask all of you to pray about uh, that opportunity to, to be who God's called us to be and, uh, and serve in that way. That was certainly the heart of Jesus. And um, that's revealed, the servant's heart of Jesus is revealed in the passage that I want us to look at today. It's in John chapter 13. And it may be a familiar passage to you that the scene that is described in John chapter 13 is a, is a much discussed, uh, sometimes imitated uh, scene. It's, we find there the scene where in the hours before his betrayal and, and uh, 
torture and death, we find Jesus gathered with his disciples for one last time, and, it, and it's this moment where he washes their feet that I say has been much talked about and, and even imitated, and in some churches is, is imitated every time they gather for worship. The washing of feet in, in that culture was, was typically a, a job for a servant or a slave. And when, the, when the master of the house uh, got home from a day on the dusty streets, he expected a foot washing. He expected a servant uh, to be at the door with a towel and with a basin, ready to take care of that task. And when Jesus and his disciples entered that uh, room that had, they had reserved for that uh, Passover meal that night, and they walked in the room, there was no servant waiting to wash anyone's feet, and no one that had been assigned that task. So they looked around, I expect, wondering who was going to do the foot washing because it's just something in their culture that had to be done. Maybe they all assumed somebody would do it. You wonder if they looked around a little awkwardly for a minute, like, hey, are you going to, who's going to, somebody's going to do this, who's going to do it? Well, somebody did. Jesus took the towel and the basin, and Jesus began washing feet. Think about the feet that he washed. Think about those people, what you might know about them. He washed Matthew's feet. Matthew, the, the tax collector. A tax collector in that society was a traitor to his people. He was a, a legalized agent of fraud and embezzlement. He was a person that signified cultural, financial, spiritual betrayal to his, to his people. Jesus washed Matthew's feet. He washed the feet of Simon. Simon, not Simon Peter, but Simon the Zealot. The Zealot, that being somebody who had decided that violence was the best way to answer the problems of his day and of the culture and place that he lived in. He washed the feet of Philip. Philip the disciple who in that moment uh, months before had, had expressed extreme doubt when Jesus looked at the disciples and instructed them to feed the 5,000 people. And Philip's response was, it's impossible. Not remembering who was telling him to feed those people. He washed the feet of James and John, the brothers who lobbied Jesus for the most important seats in the kingdom whenever Jesus established that. And he even washed the feet of Judas, who, uh, well, I don't even need to tell you who Judas is, do I? The name says it. He washed their feet because evidently greed and anger and doubting the power of the Son of God or selfish ambition or betrayal, even those things are not disqualifiers to Jesus when it comes to offering His grace to somebody. The truth is this morning, every single one of us needs to be washed in the grace of God. 
And that's what Jesus was offering that night. I want you to look with me in, in that passage, if you've got your Bible, if you've got it on your phone or version or whatever. When, look at, at, at the conversation that happens as Jesus is washing feet. When Jesus came to wash the feet of the most famous, or at least the loudest, of his disciples, we find it in John chapter 13, beginning at verse 6. It says, when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter said. He protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. You know, it's not always easy to receive grace. I think it's easy for us to want to receive somebody's forgiveness or somebody just to overlook what we've done. But to receive true grace, that's not always easy. Why do you, why do you think that is? Why is that? What makes it un, uneasy for us to truly receive the grace of God? Is it pride? Is it, um, is it this overwhelming awareness of our own faults and our own failures? The stuff that we know about ourselves that maybe even nobody else knows? Peter had plenty of those things. And there were some great moments for Peter, but there were also some, some colossal failure moments when like moments when Peter tried to talk Jesus out of the mission that God the Father had given him and tried to talk him out of the whole going to the cross deal. There was that moment when, for a brief moment, Peter was bold in his faith and he stepped out on the water, walking to Jesus, and then he quit trusting in Jesus and took his eyes off and looked away and sank. And just hours after this moment with Jesus that we're looking at right here, Jesus knew and even told Peter it was going to happen. Just hours after this, Peter would curse and deny that he was ever even associated with Jesus. Maybe it's hard to receive grace because, because if we really let Jesus pour his grace out on us, and in us, we know that things will never be the same. We don't know exactly what it'll look like, but there's just this sense that we have that if we really open ourselves up completely to the grace of God, that things are never going to be quite the same. It brings with it a, a, a sense, a recognition that there's a higher purpose, there's a higher calling. And I think there's even the realization that we recognize if we really open up ourselves to the grace of God, then God's going to call us to be an agent of His grace to others. Even to everybody that's connected to us, everybody that's in our lives. No matter who they are, or what they've done. 
Lord, you'll never wash my feet. But Jeffrey, if I don't, if I don't wash your feet, you won't belong to me. Well, well then, uh, I won't. Be, I won't belong. But, well then, well then, Lord, don't just wash my feet. Wash my hands, my head, all of me. You see, to fully receive God's grace, we have to humble ourselves. That's not easy. Jean Venier is a, is a, uh, a French uh, man, as you can tell by his name. He's the founder of what's known as the L'Arc communities that are committed to helping people with intellectual and, and mental disabilities live together in community with, uh, with what we would call normally functioning people. They learn to live together in community and, and giving to one another and sharing with one another. He established those in Europe and he's established many in the U.S. He tells, uh, he tells this story. He says, I know a man who lives in Paris. His wife has Alzheimer's. He was a, an important businessman. His life filled with a lot of accomplishment, a lot of profit, and of course a lot of busyness. But he said that when his wife became ill, he said, I, I just couldn't put her into an institution. So I kept her. And I fed her. And I bathed her. And I clothed her. Jean said he went to Paris to visit them. And he said this businessman who had been very busy and very important for almost all of his life looked at him and said to him, I've changed. I've, I've become more of a person, more human. Jean said he got a letter from him recently where he said that in the middle of the night, his wife, who has Alzheimer's and doesn't understand and remember, you know what it means. He said, in the middle of the night, my wife woke up and she came out of the fog for a moment. And she said, darling, I just want to thank you for all that you're doing for me. And then she slipped back in to the fog. And he said he wept and he wept. I feel like some of us need to come out of the fog today. Some of us need to come out of the fog and say, Lord, thanks for not turning your back on me. Thank you for sacrificing everything for me. Thank you for not giving up on me. Lord, wash me in your grace. Do I need to grab a handheld mic? Is that better?
Peter, Jesus looked at Peter and, and said, are you going to be too proud? Are you going to be so proud that you won't let me do this for you? Because if you are, you're going to lose everything. I got really good news for all of us this morning. You like good news? I mean, and, and this is the best news of all. Now, I think the reaction would be stronger if my good news was to tell you, I guarantee you the Texans are going to beat the Packers tonight. You'd be more excited about that. The, most of you would be more excited about that than what I'm about to tell you, which is a sense that we kind of live in the fog. And the good news is this. Jesus can wash and cleanse and redeem anyone. Anyone. Anyone who will listen and respond to his call today. There is a scene from a movie that uh, I saw last year. I, I want to say it was just right after Christmas. There's a scene from this movie that, that, that spoke to me so strongly the day that, that I first saw it. The, the movie's called War Horse. It's a story about a, a boy in, in Great Britain who, who raises a smart and, and spirited horse in the countryside. That is, until, until World War I begins. And both the young boy and the horse are called away and placed into the, the battlefields of World War I. They're separated from one another, and, and both of them go through horrific circumstances that, you know, that really only war can bring. And the movie does a good job of depicting that. But there's this scene that, that, that I want you to look at. There's this scene that, that begins with what seems to be the end for this horse, this proud strong, spirited horse who's now been through so many things. He's now covered and he's beaten down with the effects of the struggle that life has brought him. I want you to look at this clip and then we'll think about what it might say to us. All right, back off, back off.
What's your name? Narakot. Private Albert Narakot, sir. It's just a random horse, Narakot. I'm too badly injured. Is this man in your care? Yes, sir. It's not random at all, sir. He's my horse. I raised him in Devon. Sir, look at his legs. He's got four white socks, he's brown all over, and he has a white mark here, like so. Take him back. Come on, son. Oh, wait, you can't see because of the mud. White socks. Break it up. They're off the lot of you. You see, sir? He's not random at all. We'll attend to your horse. Patch him up best we can. Treat him like the soldier he is. Thank you, sir. leaving the, the movie theater that day, I was, uh, I was weeping, along with my uh, daughter, Jana. They were in town to, to visit for the holidays. And Jana and I were, were both crying as we walked out of that theater as, as I, I said to her, do you see, do you see the truth there in that story? And I guess people don't like being compared to horses, but <laughs> there are so many people whose lives are covered up with mud 
and scars and sin and hurt. And they're beaten down because of all of that. And Jesus says, if you wash them off and you look underneath, if you wash them off and you look underneath all of that mud and all of that junk, you'll see that they're mine and they belong to me. What about you? What about you? Do you want to be washed in the amazing grace of God? And do you want to be an agent for others to receive the same? Father, we thank you today. We thank you that uh, Jesus didn't come to us with this big long list of qualifications and requirements and things that, that he would demand of us in order for him to, to love us and to care about us and to pour his grace out on our lives. We're so thankful, Lord, that in spite of all of who we are and all of what we've done, that Jesus comes to us and says, let me wash you with my grace and mercy. Let me pour that, pour that out on you and over you so that it transforms who you are and, and you'll realize that you belong to me. So Lord, I just pray in, in these moments right now that each one of us would open up our hearts to your grace. That we would somehow also gain a vision of the people in our lives who so desperately need the grace of God. And we would say, Lord, I, I can, can see with your help that underneath all the stuff that covers them up right now, weighs them down, there's somebody there that you love and you died for, and somebody whose life you want to transform and redeem. Help me be an agent of your grace. Help us to surrender our lives to that today, Lord, to your grace.